Welcome to the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast with your hosts, me, Megan Powell, and Peg Mall Queen. If you're like us, you probably spend a bit of time on Instagram. And if you do, you might have come across our guest on today's episode, Prasad Ranganikar. Peg and I have become admirers of Prasad's posts, oftentimes discussing his most recent shares. And one aspect we love is that he never really gives a straight answer, saying this way is right and this way is wrong, but rather shares ideas in a way that gets you to think, question, dive a bit deeper. Many of his posts focus on topics surrounding not just yoga as a whole, but actually teaching yoga and being a teacher. Like this most recent post titled, As a yoga teacher, you neither have to know everything nor teach everything, which Peg and Prasad talk about in today's episode along with yoga being a personal journey, how our definitions can liberate or limit us, and his advice to new teachers. But I think it's advice we could all use to hear a little bit more. So on that note, I'll hand it over to Prasad, where he's sharing the beginnings of his own yoga journey. Well, I'm, I'm born in India, brought up in India. Uh, so you could say, uh, not you could say, I'm, I am born in a family, in a cultural belief system that is uh, conducive to yoga. I emerge out of uh, thought process, not just thought process, but also um, social system that has been um, nurturing the idea of yoga, spiritual development, emotional stability, uh, transcendence since thousands of years. So for me, it came naturally. Um, I would not say my parents were yogis, but definitely they um, lived aspects of yoga, which perhaps won't be qualified as yoga in these days, in, in the narratives that we live now in modern understanding. Popularly, I would say, you know, like they did not get up every morning and do their asanas, and therefore they were not yogis. But yeah, they did pass on to me some good things, uh, like sincerity, devotion, right? My mother uh, registered my sister and I in a yoga class for reasons best known to her when I was nine, because she, yeah, you know, like parents want to have their kids engaged in some activity because both my parents were working and, was, you know, nobody to take care of. My sister was 13, I was nine. So, so she found some yoga class and she thought that it will be good for us. So she just registered us and we were 
she didn't even see who who was qualified to join the class because we were the only kids it was an adults class and not even adults super adults because they were all in like post retired 60s so we were like two grandchildren amongst a couple of dozen grandpas and grandmas so we got so pampered yeah and then that is where actually my exploration of my physical body started because it was so as a 9 year old hyper active hyper sensitive hyper anxious uh, highly uh, somebody with a high high degree of abandonment in me uh, i was a very anxious a very sickly child in and out of hospitals all the time so that was good for me you know um it gave me a sense of basically coming into my body and observing my breath along with that uh, my mom also used to teach us chanting in the evenings uh, and then that would invariably end up uh, in us discussing she would teach us chanting bhagavad gita and some other poetries uh, devotional poetries so she did a lot as a part of because it's a part of the culture not necessarily for us to spiritually develop you know when i used to ask so why why are we chanting this because i did not like it as a 9 year old 5 year old boy she would say you know it's it's a it's a part of our culture and we have to conserve it like fine though i was a very impatient child like i could not sit there for chanting my legs used to be continuously moving and all but at at the age of 15 and 16 i started asking deeper questions that why why do we have so many gods and why why tuesdays for this god and mondays for this god and so i went through my phase of rebellion which was really important in my own evolution to to come back to uh, critical thinking not just accepting things as as what i've been told about yeah so uh, <clears throat> i think we all have we all should i would not say should but we all go through an uh, organic process of our own self discovery which we should just honor and just you know comply with rather than uh, rather than trying to judge our own path based on how others are walking on their paths and i think that natural that's natural to go away in order to come back right in order to know what you're returning to or appreciate i think absolutely absolutely but then again you know uh, it's like it's like universe gives you resources but then one should also have that little sense of putting things in context you know you you did not reject it you know you did it for fun as a child and then now in retrospect uh, you can make sense out of it you know all all that as things are fine as they are basically this is what i want to say you know organic that 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 soul that atma that wants to come out of uh, generational uh subjugation generational uh, what you call hiding will find its way a real sincere seeker will find her or his way whatever happens 
it's interesting because even the way you just started, the the way we put on the shoulds, the way we box everything in, the way we say this is the way it needs to be, this is what it, uh, yoga is defined or what defines you as a you know someone who practices it. It, yeah. just, it maybe it's always been like that. Yeah, it's all, because it is a yoga is very subjective. Yeah, it's a personal journey. And when it when you say it's a it's like the word atma, you know, it's atma vidya in Sanskrit. Atma vidya means self knowledge. So the self is primary, and self uh, is a subjective phenomenon, you know. So uh, it really it really uh, is subjective phenomena. I mean, yes, we can have broader. Uh, systems and broader uh, um, uh, modalities or principles but ultimately it's the path that one is walking on and the person's struggle doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to do with the social context but uh, even the society is made up of individuals and when every individual grows the society grows as a whole so uh, yeah there are there are systems which I don't disagree with. There are philosophies, there are uh, ideologies, there are schools of thought, which are all fair. But somewhere, somewhere we don't have to take them as a dogma that this is how, this is a word of God, you know, and therefore there's enough, enough chance in the scope of yoga to rebel without being labeled as uh, uh, blasphemous. This is important. Yeah, because look at Bhagavad Gita. The, the Arjuna knows Krishna is God, not just God. Krishna himself says, I'm the creator of everything, including ignorance that you are stuck in. So now, despite knowing and also seeing his universal form in chapter number 11, Arjuna still is given chance to inquire, doubt, wonder, question. You see, so Krishna is not saying in chapter number one, oh, you are in a depressive state. Just do what I say and that's it. I'm God. Don't worry. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. You know, Krishna could just change the scene in, uh, you know, blink of an eye, but he doesn't. He doesn't. And Krishna also, Krishna also uses all the forms. You know, Krishna has uh, mollycoddled Arjuna. Krishna has uh, raised his voice on Arjuna. Krishna has scared Arjuna. Krishna has tempted Arjuna. You know, he says, well, if you don't fight, you'll go to hell. And if you fight, you will be the greatest king of all times. So, you see, this is it. There's, you know, within the system, you can do great amount of rebellion and uh, inquiry and uh, fall and get up and fall again and get up again and choose not to get up and get up after 10 lifetimes. It is your personal process. Scriptures reveal the reality, the mundane reality. If you look, you know, I've always wondered this, that 
at least in the hindu uh, religion two main epics mahabharata and ramayana both happen uh, both work with the story of war so on one end you could say it's a spiritual scripture but it where does it start it starts in the battlefield you know rama fought ravana that's the main story of ramayana and mahabharata everybody knows the mahabharata war you know so one could inquire one could say that oh, oh why is it a spiritual scripture when is discussing war and war is like this like bloody war yeah like not like somebody went and just slapped another person it was big war and that's what i'm saying yeah that it's very grounded the main teachings of yoga are not for as they say pie in the sky that you can have after you die you know it's not for not we are not chasing a reality that is somewhere out there we are manifesting that reality in the here and now happiness is not the goal uh, of yoga the goal of yoga is bliss ananda yeah and uh, happiness is dependent yeah it's predicated upon some something else other than you yeah and that you includes your body so today i don't look good i'm not happy tomorrow i dress up well i look good i'm happy or today i feel sad uh, i go and uh, eat a tub of ice cream i'm happy so in both scenarios uh, yeah or i just incessantly buy 10 shirts and five trousers out of my anxiety on online shopping i'm happy suddenly so um, that is happiness which is not bad which is not wrong it doesn't last it's like every time i eat a tub of ice cream i feel good for 5 minutes and after that sugar high runs down i feel sad so if i inquire that oh last whole month i ate a tub of ice cream every night but didn't solve the problem so that means there is another solution so it's called in the in sanskrit it's called vishaya sukha vishaya sukha means vishaya means object stuff as we may call it now in quotes air quotes stuff yeah so stuff give you happiness stuff gives you happiness but that's not what we are chasing it's the trailer right is that one uh, one minute trailer that entices you to watch the full movie so happiness in the objects uh, entices you to chase permanent happiness that is within you already so it's like uh, it's like universe is telling you how you felt after eating that ice cream tub you liked it yes i liked it now imagine the same state 24/7 Will you like that? For sure, I like that. Therefore, you know, be yourself, or try to find yourself, or recognize yourself. So there's a clear uh, differentiation. Like in one of the one of the paragraphs of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, "Even sattva, even the highest guna, sattva, is 
bondage. So move above the gunas. You know, it's funny when you said you said something that we were talking about in an earlier group earlier today, and it was you could feel this 24-7 when you're when you are being most like yourself, when you are really acting from what's inside of you, fully, genuine, sincere, mm -hmm. true, from love, true love of whatever it mm -hmm. is you're doing, you do feel that bliss. Yeah. Like that, that's different. There's a joy, I think I call it joy. There's a, a joy that just becomes. Yeah. And it doesn't come from the outside. It does come from the inside. And it only comes when you're really tuned in, tapped in to that place in you that feels alive and feels really true. But then you start to second guess it and doubt it. And then you, you kind of, it becomes very scary to let that out. Yeah, this is why that's it's like, you know, if you spend three years in solitary confinement in a jail that is dark and then you're released into the light, yeah, your eyes will hurt. And some people may not tolerate that light and may move back again into solitary confinement. They say, you know, like they say, familiar discomfort is at times better or easier than unfamiliar comfort. So many people choose a familiar discomfort or familiar suffering. See, the scriptures say that the word out there, now out there doesn't mean outside of you as a person. Out there also means mind and body. Okay. Outside of the universal consciousness that you are. So the scriptures say, the scriptures of yoga and Sankhya, they say that whatever is available, use it to grow. In a responsible way, right? You know, you have a mind, uh, channel that mind towards self-growth. You have a body, channel that body towards self-growth. You have a social group, channel that social group for goodness of the greater good of all. So whatever you have or you've been given or uh, you've been blessed with um, has to be used for self-development and development of everybody else. But what happens is we know we have the tools, but we bind ourselves by the tools. This is it. It's like we have been given fire to keep us warm, but we burn down our house with it. That's another thing you wrote. Is your practice getting in the way of yoga? You see, uh, what I feel is, and uh, this is just my observation, that we've gotten too carried away with the how. We've forgotten the why. The modern yogic uh, narrative is so modality-centric. It's so practice-centric. You know, it's like we all know how to drive, but we don't know why should I be driving? Is there a need for me to sit in my car and go there and to go there and go there? So uh, nothing wrong with it because yoga, 
yoga is both traditionally yoga is both a, a practice a modality and also a state of mind if you read bhagavad gita krishna will say you know reach that state of yoga state of yoga state of yoga so uh, somewhere our attention also needs to come back to the fact that we all need to calm down a bit and sit down and ask ourselves why am i doing what am i doing why and is it really necessary that i do thousand postures and break my back and twist my neck and pop my knee for what yeah so because ultimately it's not about how many things you do ultimately the the truths of yoga are opposite of the truths of our mundane world in the mundane world more money you have the better it is you know more is better but in yoga yoga you know less is better yeah that's why it's a path of withdrawal in sanskrit it's called uh nivritta mark nivritti mark you know gradually gradually offload let go let go let go become simple become simple become simple i love that i also love that you again allowed for the questioning that that's part of the process that the question to ask the questions yeah. you talked about that being part of your process your journey of coming to where you are absolutely see i basically feel there's nothing wrong or right when you are a sincere seeker uh you just have to be ready to pivot according to your idea of where should where you should be going yeah neither uh, so i personally in my life i don't have such strict notions of right and wrong so i will not tell anyone that uh, no your practice is wrong no we just have to learn and grow you know wherever things are needed we drop whatever is needed we take the uh, idea is not to get stuck in the right and wrong the idea is to just keep moving on and that is important that is the definition of abhyasa according to patanjali secondly the word practice i have written about this also you know that your definition of practice will define how you grow if your definition of practice is just physical practice you will grow in the domain of physicality primarily of course it will have its implications on the mind and subtle body but primarily if you say practice for me is going on the mat and stretching my limbs for half an hour then you will that will be your you know uh that will be the domain which you will benefit in but if your definition of practice is broader then you will bring in uh other domains of life too for example if your definition of prosperity is not only monetary prosperity but also prosperity of health well-being social life then you will manifest prosperous life prosperous life not just prosperous bank account 
you know so we really we are ruled by definitions and we need to also uh take that idea into our yogic understanding that are my definitions limiting me or liberating me are my definitions limiting me or liberating me yeah That'd be an interesting, it'd be a really nice thing to every day kind of sit with and think about. And I feel like the pandemic definitely allowed for some of that because so much doubt came up, right? So much fear and there is nobody telling us what to do. And like, um, we're left to our own devices. and And a lot of, at least here, a lot of people that practice yoga go someplace to practice. Yeah. They have somebody yeah. who kind of tells them what to practice and what, you know, what it is they practice and very much sticks to the physical. We we really do shy away from generally, at least here in the States. And I think in Western, um, most Western states that we, we shy away from really introducing anything beyond the physical that seems that's what's safe and so that's what we stick with and then all of a sudden everybody's stuck at home and during really difficult times you know like our anxiety level was high and um we're alone you know we lost communities and people were were yeah. really afraid um and yeah. and yoga was one of those things that kept people sane you know in general <laughs> yoga was your piece of humanity and and for a little while there i think we there i would sense that people worried that that that, that was being taken away see what what pandemic did was it really triggered our existential ideas so I think somewhere that, you know, the pandemic was really like a little nudge from the universe for humanity to uh, really reassess their belief and value systems. You know, and those who could see through it, they thrived. Those who, who felt triggered, they hid. You know, there's so many people who have risen from this pandemic to find a better, uh, better self. You know, I know so many, I know in, in Mumbai and generally in India, so many well-to-do professionals who were in IT and banking, uh, you know, they really got a chance to assess where their life was going and they moved away from the city and, uh, went and lived, uh, are living in smaller towns, you know, working on uh, helping the villagers or just, you know, you know, I, I have a friend who just quit everything and retired at 40. You know, he has enough money and now he writes books. He teaches uh, the village kids. So a lot of positives and negatives have also happened. Again, not to get into this whole idea of, you know, set idea of positive and negative, but still, uh, gen- generally, I would say pandemic was really something that shook us from our distraction. <laughs> because we as humans are experts at distraction, distracting ourselves. The limiting or liberating, you know, I, I think about 
with the pandemic again, right? Right? Did it limit us Correct. or liberate us? Yeah. And and I don't I'm not saying it's going to be an either or, but there are facets I'm sure that that did both. You know that that served in both capacities. But well, you know that this year because we were going to do this podcast months ago, and then yeah. I kind of went dark yeah. and was like. And I was really going through, I think I yeah. told you, I was going through a real time of questioning, like, what's my role? What do I, what's my purpose? There was some real tough questioning that I was doing and didn't feel comfortable recording podcasts and, you know, Absolutely. putting out content while I was going through that. This is it. You you just put the finger at the right point. Yeah, this is this is it. We are so busy doing that we forget our being. You know, and uh, somewhere the pandemic gave us a chance to reintroduce ourselves to our being. And also realize that there is there are more variables to my life than me. So there's some giver out there. Not necessarily saying God, but you know, Nobody wanted this, wanted this pandemic, but we got it <laughs> and we received it. Some people happily, some people not so happily. So somewhere also, I feel we, we post-pandemic, we have realized how interconnected the world is. See what happened economically. You know, there's this uh, uh, principle in yoga called micro-macrocosm principle, Pinda Brahmanda, it's called. And it says that everything that is happening within you is happening in the universe and everything that is happening in the universe is reflecting in you. And that interconnectivity uh, was um, proved or shoved right into our face by this pandemic. And we can't escape that interconnection. You do a lot of work with yoga teachers. Yes. Right? I mean, that is That seems to be one of your main um, areas. And I'm wondering what you're seeing, I, I feel like the profession of, of teaching yoga, of sharing yoga is changing, that there's, it's different, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think that um, things have been shaken up. The, the, the expectations are different now. The demand is different now. The job role is different now, but I'm not sure how I just feel it. I'm wondering what you're seeing and what your perspective is as somebody who works with teachers and has worked with teachers for many years. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's like a hundred hour workshop question, but, but I'll, I'll see what I, I have a long list of these things in, in my head because I constantly keep thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Number one, primarily I was reflecting some months ago that the job role of yoga teacher is not clearly defined. Think about it. If you ask any yoga teacher, any yoga teacher does not really know what they have to do. Think about it. And that's why sometimes a yoga teacher becomes a fitness instructor. At times the same yoga teacher is giving nutrition advice, leading... Uh, or some fasting, then that your same yoga teacher is also 
teaching traditional Chinese medicine meridian points. And then suddenly the same yoga teacher also becomes an activist. And then suddenly the same yoga teacher is uh, uh, teaching mantra and singing. And then suddenly next week, that same yoga teacher is teaching uh, uh, Kundalini. And then suddenly the same yoga teacher is also uh, coming out with clothing brand. So you see, it's not it. It's not really clearly defined, and that is existentially confusing for a yoga teacher, because in a way we are stepping on the toes of fitness trainers as when you look at yoga as fitness modality. On the other hand, you're also stepping on the toes of therapists because yoga is also therapy. Uh, and then you're also stepping on the toes of dietitians because, well, yoga is a lifestyle. And then you're also stepping on the toes of uh, uh, some uh, mystical modalities, you know, because yoga is mysticism. So somewhere, and that doesn't happen with other professions much. You know, like a lawyer knows what a lawyer has to do. Lawyer will not give you diet advice. <laughs> yeah. This is, I think, primary problem, primary issue. Again, I don't want to use the word problem. That is not addressed enough at the ground level. At least at the 200-hour level. I know the job roles will become broad, but one should not, or at least the teaching school should not put too many demands on 200-hour trainees. That you can do this and you can do this also, and then you have to lead relaxation and you have to teach them how to deeply meditate and also teach them breath work and also teach them how to stretch a limb and how also... Uh, uh, expose them to profound philosophies. I think a new yoga teacher is clearly overwhelmed by the amount of information and overwhelmed and exhausted by the pressures to be a yoga teacher. Just one point I want to make for now. Otherwise, there are lots. <laughs> And I, I think that that has almost intensified now, maybe because there's so, so much in need that you do see teachers, either it's, you know, studios, I mean, very logistically studios have closed and there's a lot of yoga teachers. There's not, there's still not the amount of traveling that there once was. So even very experienced yoga teachers are finding that their bag has to expand because what they were teaching before is maybe I'm not saying it's not necessary, but it, it, it's, it shifted. Things have shifted, needs have shifted. And so you have to all of a sudden overnight be a lifestyle coach, uh, an influencer, uh, a dietitian, uh, and it's not realistic. And it's, and it's, it's, scary for the person too yes absolutely it's scary because all this will 
reflect on you as self-doubt. Just, just last night I posted about, you know, the, the topic is, as yoga teachers, you neither have to know everything nor do teach everything. That I've written on that on Instagram. Because I really believe. I mean, there's so much pressure on this 200-hour teacher trainees. And they are all starry-eyed and they want to make it make a difference in the world which is great but then you know it's like i want to learn driving and straight away i'm put on a bigger truck rather than a small car you know now drive this truck you know it's really you know that eliminates a lot of capable sincere yoga teacher right at the start right at the start Somewhere I think people have to come together as an industry because it's not even an industry, number one. You know, it's highly unorganized. As they would say in business, it's an unorganized sector. Nobody knows what anybody is doing. I can tomorrow get up and start whatever and call it yoga. And it will become and it can become popular because I can just buy popularity feeding the bellies of the algorithm. So, uh, and then that pop, what becomes popular becomes uh, a fact. <laughs> yeah, whatever is popular becomes the norm and the norm becomes a fact. And then people have forgotten what the actuality is. That is why I took a break. Because I could feel myself wanting to keep up with the new norm of, you know, you're a coach, you're a, you're a, you're an everything, you know, and I could feel my, me being pulled as a teacher in a direction that didn't feel genuine. So I just needed to kind of go, okay. And I don't know where that leaves me. And that's why I say, I don't know, you know, I know that I feel a little more confident that, okay, I'm okay with that not being me. I'm not going to be making any pointing videos. And you know, that this is, this is where I am right now. And I'm, I'm just going to sit with that and be who I am. But boy, that that's taken months of work and a little bit of privilege that I don't have to support a family that I could take a break and not be pulled in that direction. But I don't think a lot of yoga teachers have that same privilege. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. But what I appreciate in your journey is that, number one, you acknowledged what you needed to do. Number two, you took a conscious step back. Of course, like you said, you're privileged. Your, your privileged allowed it to you, allowed it, allowed you to do it. But you did it. And I want to pat your back and you should also pat your own back and all your listeners should pat your back. Because this is big. Recognizing what we need to do. Going out and finding solutions to do that. And then finally taking the turn, making the move. This is yoga. And it's not coming out of my head. In Bhagavad Gita chapter number 6, Krishna says, Take time off. Go away. Meditate. It's important. This, you know, when we just live unconsciously, 
in a reactionary life, reactionary mindset, you don't get the chance to sit quietly as you did and uh, find where my life is going. And that's why times of reflection, sitting down, being quiet, you know, just, just sitting, getting bored are very, very important. I love that you said getting bored. Absolutely. Because that is that, that boredom is an important space, right? They say creativity grows from boredom. Well, during that time also, and this was, this goes along with the teachers and because I think what I noticed when I came back, that's actually how teachers are feeling. I do feel like the climate is, is shifting out there and, and there's a lot of yoga teachers out there. They're having to redefine who they are, what they're doing. And, and this is, I know a key thing for you. We don't as a community have things in place for teachers like mentorships, like, um, you know, continuing relationships. We do that 200 hour where you take a program here and you get these little bursts of training if you seek it out. Um, but it ends. There's this, there's doesn't seem to be anything built in to facilitate you to set for somebody to say, like you just said, it's okay to take a break. It's okay not yeah. to know everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that system needs to become more present, you know, like, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I offered that uh, mentorship giveaway in Diwali, because people write to me and, you know, really, it hurts somewhere that, and these are all capable teachers, you know, sitting somewhere on this planet really wanting to do good, really wanting to contribute, but are just confused, not because of their own doing. And for me, it, it touches me deeply. And that's why I said, you know, let me offer. But you're right, you know, somewhere, I know how it will happen at the level of industry. But if, like in, in when I do teach, used to do teacher trainings, I always told the students that you have done your 200 hour, 300 hour with me doesn't mean our relationship ends here. You can always come back to me with questions and but keep studying with me. Keep at least if not studying, at least be in touch because this is not just you get a certificate and that's it. My relationship with you is over. No, you know, so we need to work on the more fundamental foundational stuff too. This was there in traditional yoga. In the tradition, you know, you had a, you had a Sangha, you know, you, you know, you are in the fellow, your fellow students were your, as we say, Guru Bhai. Yeah, guru Bhai means you're the brothers of the same Guru. You know, there was a system, there was a support system of the teacher, you know, the teacher was the guide um, yeah and then the, the foundational principles were there to hold you you know sometimes now I may I pre-pandemic I, I travel to places where to teach the students of my students 
you know, around the world. And a few years ago, I was in Hong Kong and uh, they, we, have, we were four generations and we took a picture because my student, her student brought her students. You see, so that was so beautiful and with joy, you know, that third generation brought the fourth generation for a group picture and we were so happy, you know, so that, that sense of belonging, sense of community is what we need as a social animal, you know. Well, what advice would you give? Because I think that there are going to be plenty of people listening to this that are currently teachers and are feeling maybe isolated or confused, um, maybe a little lost or afraid. Yeah. What, what advice would you give for them? Only one. <laughs> Just kidding. Number one, uh, first stabilize yourself in your own practice and clarity. Stabilize yourself in what you stand for, what you stand for. Not in context with the industry, not in context with your mentor, not in context with what others are doing. No. What do I stand for? Why am I a teacher? And why do the students come to me? When you have that clarity as a professional, it reflects as your professional integrity. And this is important. And when the students find you as a look at you as a person of integrity, then they will stick to you. So it will reduce your uh, customer retention expenses <laughs> because, uh, yeah. Uh, number two, uh, develop community in your circle. Yeah, our yoga industry is too much in the infancy now to expect a global community which may or may not happen, I don't know. But at least at our local level, at our micro level, we all should have small communities. You, your own community. And like really, not as a customer base, but as community. And this is, this is the, the responsibility of the studio owner or the teacher, whatever, whoever. You know, uh, and number three, don't allow the world to dictate what you should do. You just keep, keep moving ahead. You know, life will not always be fair to you, but look at your teaching as a dharma and keep teaching. I mean, a student is to be, to study, a doctor uh, has to give medicines and you as a yoga teacher have to teach everybody has to do their own dharma but for that you will first need to ground yourself in the idea that you are a forever student of yoga we are so busy becoming a teacher that we have forgotten to be a student first and this is the most important point 
if you still consider yourself as a student then you your studentship will naturally reflect in your teachings as a teacher but if you think yourself as a teacher only then that will be the end of your creativity your own search and then that spells doom for your profession so teach as a teacher with the mind of a student then then you will not have an issue of i don't know enough you see when you work with the mindset of a teacher you will have issues oh but i don't know enough now what should i do but in if you are in your head if you are a student a forever student then you will always say yeah i don't know it now but i am a student so i'll keep studying i'll get back to you on this yeah somebody said well, why is it like this and blah blah uh well that's a good question give me some time i'll get back to you on this you will not shudder by the fact that you don't know the answer what i tell my students and also tell myself is stay simple in your head just stay simple you know because our nervous system itself exaggerates everything makes a mountain out of a molehill so we have to reprogram ourselves as professionals and also as individuals to not blow things out of proportion whatever they may be tomorrow somebody says wow you're a great speaker thank you and just leave it at that tomorrow somebody says the class was bad oh okay i will reflect on it so go back and find out don't don't think of that feedback as statement of truth but just inquire why why what did she feel you know so if we just look at ourselves as explorers of yoga rather than nothing wrong in calling yourself a teacher it's just a professional name but mindset should be of a student of an explorer it's more fun that way again that push to be an expert because experts have answers and i feel like as yoga teachers to be given that permission they don't have to be an expert in everything and it's okay not to know and in fact it's a good thing i once had a teacher say to me i may change my mind in a few years about something isn't that a good thing don't you want a teacher that's continuing to learn absolutely that's why uh, i i feel the yoga professionals put uh, too much pressure on themselves to to be uh, like you know i don't know if that word fits here but it it'll convey the sense that i want to say masaya complex you know we we want to we want everybody to acknowledge us as somebody who knows a lot who can put who can walk to the market uh, with the leg behind his back you know so yeah we want to be experts in everything which is fine which is fine but give yourself 20 30 years to be experts in something we want to be experts in something within 200 hours which is not possible so that breathing space no that buffer 
we need to assure each other as professionals or at least those who have stumbled upon this fact that yeah i need to slow down yes it's important to uh, not know everything i mean it's important to not stress about not knowing everything and we need to convey it to others and i try to convey it through my writings last question what what do you where do you see and what are the changes that you see happening and where do you see the profession where do you where do you see us heading because i do feel a shift i can't really put words around it but i i sense something's happening uh where we are headed i don't know but i know that we can head wherever we want as a collective depending on what decisions we make today you know it's like where do you want your life to go whatever i decide right now my life will be that you know tomorrow so and that's why i want us to stay in the present and you know reach out to each other at least like i said those who have realized a few facts about industry and want to change want to make some good amount of difference um uh, we should come together facilitate a dialogue you know reach out to those thousands and millions of yoga teachers that are churned out every month every year perhaps who who come into the world of yoga with starry eyed uh, big dreams but then you know so many back out you know so many give up on themselves on teaching and at times yoga gets a bad name you know like i met teachers who say hey, i taught yoga for 6 months but it's not really it doesn't really work you know things like that so uh, yes there's a lot of good work happening out there and i really really appreciate teachers like you and so many others who who pass on the message to their students you know you've been open about your uh, explorations your struggles and that too helps to normalize their own struggles as students you know so all these we just need to get out of our own head as as an industry really and as a person you just did a really good job to me i just asked you to theorize on something from the head and you went back to grounding myself in what's happening now and that was the advice that you gave when i asked you to give advice it was ground yourself on why ground yourself on you know in what you believe and in community yeah. in the relationships around you and in what you're you know and in the mind of a student grounding Absolutely. yourselves in, in what's happening right here and that that is what will shape Absolutely. you know give it time you know like my mother uh what what is that word uh, you know where you um soak things you know let let the wisdom soak it's like when you plant a seed no give it give that give some time for the sprout to come out of the earth you don't just uh, keep looking at the sprout now it will come now it will emerge 
give it time it just doesn't come like in one minute you know it needs to dig its roots and come out of its you know shell that's uh, that's important and that's why i re- my advice to all yoga teachers is just relax just relax be patient just do what you're doing allow life to teach you don't deny any experiences you know but like there's a very important line in bhagavad gita it said twice or thrice do your own thing you know it's better to do your own work rather than look for what others are doing you know and that happens you know because we live in this comparative world you know i want to dictate what i do depending on what others are doing that that's unfair i think somewhere on us so you've summarized it very well thank you for the summary <laughs> well thank you for sharing um before i let you get on with your day tell me or tell anybody sorry the word i was looking for was marinate marinate that was the word i was looking for. marinate you know like you marinate in the sauce so that that food item soaks things we need to learn to marinate ourselves in the teachings give it time that word i was looking for sorry i was looking for that word in my head <laughs> that's a great word that is a great word and we don't give ourselves enough time to marinate and it's it's not going to be automatically provided for us because it's not the way our culture is built so we 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 have to make it happen for ourselves cuz pandemics hopefully don't come around all that often <laughs> we don't want them to be a regular thing that disrupt cuz life doesn't provide those opportunities we have to make them right absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so just relax relax have fun enjoy life keep studying keep doing your practice you know hug people dance sing you know build your small community It doesn't have to become a big organization so you become a general secretary and just stay simple simplify your life you know stay simple in your head yeah enjoy the flower blooming <laughs> that's beautiful thank you thank, thank you. you so much if someone wanted to study with you and i can imagine they wouldn't <laughs> Uh, I have really enjoyed this conversation as I completely enjoy everything that you've been putting forth and sharing. You you really do share a lot of knowledge and teachings and insight free. Just give it away and it's beautiful and I appreciate that. Thank you so. Thank you so much. Anyway, I just I just want to take this chance that you mentioned free that i have a over 350 video 
YouTube channel and lots of lectures. There's more than 400 hours of content completely free. So for students, okay. So there's lectures on Bhagavad Gita. There's lectures on Yoga Sutra, some classes, pranayamas, discussions, recordings. So there's over 350 videos on my YouTube channel. Just taking this chance to, it's, it's not monetized. It's my free generous gift to everybody because there are students out there who are looking for resources so just take advantage of it thanks for listening to today's episode to find out more about Prasad Ranganikar his free YouTube videos and upcoming events visit his website at yogaprasad.in. I also wanted to share with you a very special offering that Peg and I have recently announced. Our year-long mentorship program beginning this February. This is for anyone looking to cultivate an enriched understanding of yoga a deeper sense of belonging and purpose, or simply as a way to learn more about themselves and practice. There will be weekly live sessions as a group, but also one-on-one meetings tailored to you, a dedicated private group to connect with your peers, embodiment exercises and classes, as well as coursework containing various psychological and spiritual perspectives for reflection. Because we believe in spaces with the purpose of supporting, nourishing, and deepening relationship, which is why we created this mentorship. We hope you'll join us on this exciting journey. To find out more, visit astrongadispatch.com and go to the programs page, or visit our show notes where you can find all of the links mentioned. Today's episode was edited and produced by Peg Queen and Megan Powell. Music by Mark Pilly. Thanks again for listening.